Hello and welcome to the Cinephile New Wave. I'm Duran. And I'm Nick. And today we'll be discussing Jean-Luc Godard's 1967 film La Chinois. But first, let's start with the news. Uh, yeah, uh, so, uh, more Tenant news. It feels like every freaking week we're talking about Tenant. Um, but it's, uh, it's been delayed indefinitely this time. Um, so is everything else, but, um, you know, Tenant's supposed to be what revives the American box office, or at least that's what Christopher Nolan wants it to be, but, uh, with, uh, the ongoing pandemic, uh, it's you know, hard to do that. So uh, they, Warner Brothers has just decided to delay the film indefinitely. But I think they are releasing, or at least they plan to release uh, overseas. Um, well, if, if everything goes to plan, to Christopher Nolan's plan, they're not going to release overseas since he wants um, the well, American yeah, audience but... to start first, which is kind of stupid because, I mean, America has been hand handling this pandemic really, really, really poorly. And um, basically, every European country and a lot of other countries like across the world have been handling a lot um, better than than we have. Um, so soon enough, movie theaters, um, international movie theaters, will probably reopen. And we have another news story that talks about talks about that yeah. a little bit more. Um, so I think that delaying tenants just so that um, I guess Nolan and Warner Brothers can secure the American money seems like. A pretty bad idea in my opinion yeah it's like christopher nolan's trying to trying to like you know he, he's just trying to be hollywood he's trying to stick up for america during this during this time and it's just that's not a good idea right now we don't have you know the response to covid needed to uh you know to open our theaters so we do we should not get the opportunity to see this first because we did not do the right things yeah um it's kind of ironic that a british director is so obsessed with american cinemas but um no one is british yeah what <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just thought he was american have you never heard him speak no okay no nor do i want to yeah touche touche um, I think that it would be a very bad idea for them to wait this long to open because we have no idea when American theaters are going to open and well even if they do open anytime soon I'm sure as hell not going yeah I don't know um, um based on experiences so far uh, that I've had like going to places um, I know I've been adventuring out quite a bit more than you have but um i don't know it i think they're getting to a manageable level obviously there's still like the the concern about the virus you know getting the virus and all that but like in my experience it's been like okay in terms of you know the seats are pretty far apart you know well the problem uh, isn't the distance the problem is the recycled air so everyone is yeah. sitting like in one pretty contained room for like 90 minutes yeah. to like three hours it's or an whatever. air conditioned box i get that mm -hmm. so i mean I like that. even but if like... even if like you're outside um with like a lot of people and you're not six feet away which obviously you should be but even if you're not yeah. that's still going to be a lot safer than being six feet away in a movie theater with a mask on 
yeah it's, it's basically like a death trap yeah i mean especially if like you know snacks are still being served and people are gonna have to have their masks down to like eat mm-hmm. and drink stuff well honestly like um, even even with the masks on i i don't think that um if one person among like i don't know the 20 people if they social distance correctly yeah. if just one person has it everyone's gonna get it because it's everyone's gonna be breathing the same air it's a very yeah. like enclosed yeah. space so i am definitely yeah. not gonna go to a movie theater anytime soon yeah i don't know i i risked it to go see dracula like i said like a few weeks ago and that was that was an okay experience i mean obviously i don't have coronavirus um as so far as you I, know it's it's just like for for the for the true cinephile in you who's like i must see this movie in theaters it's like are are we just going to have to pick and choose now or not go at all and i'm kind of in between where i'm like i do want to go back to movies but you know did i've got i've got enough my safety over this i've got enough blu-rays to just watch things at home until i die i think i'll be fine and a fucking Criterion channel subscription. Exactly. And there's, like, no good new movies anyway. <laughs> At least well, I mean, all the good ones are being <laughs> delayed, it seems like. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, mm-hmm. on, on the on the news of theaters reopening during coronavirus, um, Train to Busan's sequel, Peninsula, has been released in a few theaters internationally, and it's actually been doing very well for um being a movie released during coronavirus so i believe it made around um plus you 20 million made around uh, 20 million dollars um in korea taiwan vietnam malaysia and singapore yeah so that's uh that's that's good that's good that they're you know getting back on track yeah i just like yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> i'm not i'm not completely sure how all of the countries that are released in are dealing with the virus um but i mean if if um the amount of new cases is like very very minimal um it's probably not a terrible idea to reopen theaters there yeah i don't like new zealand like completely like wiped it out right mm-hmm. and i believe they, like they, they were just like they were ahead of the curve they were just like all right, we're just gonna we're gonna stop this thing in its tracks. Just we're gonna do all the right procedures, and now they have like no coronavirus cases. Yeah, even so. even China, I mean, has been handling it fairly well. Um, I remember like I think a couple of months ago they had zero cases. I think it might be like a little bit up now since then, but uh, it's it's much better there than it is in the U.S., for example. That's only if you trust the media and the numbers, Duran. I don't think that they're telling the truth. This is now a conspiracy theory podcast. I mean, you're probably right, but even with the fudge numbers, it's probably still better than the entire state of Florida. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I hate living here. (laughs) Yeah, uh, oh, God. I was supposed to fly to California to visit some family, um, like, earlier in July, but I'm very happy that I didn't do that because I probably would be dead (laughs) by now. Well, like, California just closed everything back up again, didn't they? Yeah, which is good. So, um, I'm glad they did. I, it is, it is, but, you know, further delays in production, so. Yeah, I mean. Which kind of sucks, but again, public safety over entertainment is probably a good idea. Especially if uh, I can watch better movies at home for free. Yeah, so, <laughs> uh, 
this is this is kind of a tangent, but I was I was thinking about this. Um, there's kind of an unprecedented delay in in movies right now, where directors are having the opportunity to take a look at what they have and figure out how they can fix it, like with a long time before the movies get released. David Gordon Green kind of talked about this in uh, his letter about delaying Halloween. Is like he he kind of had the opportunity to look at the the product that they had now and think about how they could improve it, or at least I don't know. That's what I felt like it was kind of implying. Mm-hmm. But I I think it's interesting, you know, like will we get slightly better movies out of this than what we would have gotten? Well, um, that is definitely interesting, but there's also a bit of a, like a give and a take there. So, um, when, uh, things kind of like stay in the can for a while before being released, um, especially with, you know, certain, certain creators, um, they can, they can kind of like freak out a little bit and start cutting too many things or kind of like straying from their original vision. Um, and then yeah. get like kind of bogged down in the nitty gritty details. So overall, the the final product when it's released, however long it may be, it could be much worse than um, the original film that might have been released, you know, before COVID- coronavirus. That's true. Uh, although I think like most cases where things sit in the can, it's not like now because you can't really move on to anything else. Maybe you can like start a new script, but you know, for the most part, nobody's moving on to another production. Mm-hmm. So, that's true i don't know it's it's just an interesting like you know little detail to think about during certainly yeah, yeah for sure but i know like in my own case whenever i'm like working on a product or something um and i have like an absurd amount of time before it's actually due where i want to release it then yeah you just gotta there's I a point start, where you just gotta stop working on it right, right I, I start to like second guess myself and it can get kind of bad sometimes yeah i did that with one of my papers Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's happens. Yeah, no, time. it's it just happens. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're 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 film and journalism and English majors here, so yes. all we do is write. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, do we want to uh, move on? Yeah. Or do you want to talk about uh, Peninsula some more? I want to see it eventually. I, I still haven't seen Train to Busan, but from what that's I heard... Also, that's also something I need to do. Yeah. Um, from what I've heard, the sequel is not at all related to the original film. And mm. I don't even know if it's directed by the same person. I could be wrong. Isn't it like Train to Busan Story Peninsula or something? It's like... Hmm? The full title is like A Train to Busan Story Peninsula. Uh, it's like it's I, not technically no called idea. just Peninsula. I have no idea. It's it's weird. <laughs> is this the new Cloverfield universe? I hope not. <laughs> is okay, this no, the new it is good Cloverfield it is, universe. It is directed by the same guy, my bad. Hmm. Um I don't know. I, I don't really have too much interest, but I'd rather see the I definitely want to see the first one still. Yeah, yeah people talked uh, talked up the first one so yeah see it eventually um yeah man uh so uh i should have mentioned uh uh about the delayed stuff there's like a crap ton of other stuff that got delayed uh mulan got i think indefinitely delayed uh star wars uh the new star wars movies and avatar got delayed so are those star uh, wars movies like supposed to be in production right now i 
I don't know. I know Taika has began writing his Star Wars movie, so I assume that's the first one that's going to be. Okay, so they're going with Taika Waititi now? After, like, 18 different directors? <laughs> oh, no, there are, like, several projects that are, like, still happening. I okay. think Taika's just up to bat first. Hmm. Um, Remember but... his Akira movie? Oh, man. <laughs> they were, like, they were so close, weren't they? They were, like, they had an actor picked out and everything, and they were just like, all right... No, let's not good. yeah i mean that's probably a good move to not make yeah. it but i, I feel think, like i feel like talking with tv wanted to make an akira movie i'm gonna point. shoot myself <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like talking with is becoming like the new del toro where he's gonna have like a million scrap projects yeah but the thing is he gets them done True. for the most part he gets them done like he has mm. a lot on his plate right now that he's just juggling all at once like he was he was in Endgame last year, and he did Jojo Rabbit, and he did episodes of The Mandalorian, and he did, like, a shit ton of other stuff. He he gets his work done, though. Hmm. I'll, I'll give him that. I mean, he didn't with Akira, but, like... Like, I think the one I'm thinking about is the Akira thing, and then the sequel to uh, that vampire movie. What's it called again? Oh, What We Do in the Shadows? Yeah. So yeah. Werewolves or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, like, nothing has been heard about that. Yeah, but I, I think he just kind of let that go, and I think he worked on the series instead. I know he mm -hmm. directed, like, the pilot of the series, I think. Yeah, I watched it when I was, like, stoned to shit. It was pretty funny. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, uh, Quiet Place and Top Gun 2 both got uh, both got delayed as well. The, so, the, my uh, most anticipated movies, A Quiet Place 2 and Top Gun 2. I haven't even <laughs> seen Top Gun 1. That's me. That says a lot um fortunately we're gonna be getting avatar 5 in 2028 that's yeah. the one i'm most looking forward to i think you were actually right about that date yep no i no because uh avatar 2 got delayed till 2022 um oh i i, I was so they really, all they all got delayed back a year yeah i was really curious about the um like the production dates for avatar 2 and i looked it up and apparently they started shooting Avatar 2 in, in uh, 2017. Yeah. So yeah. it's going to be five years since the start of shooting until it's going to be released, which is crazy. Unless and, and, and unless there's even more delays, which might happen. <laughs> it's like, it's all it's all mocap data. Dude, yeah. there's underwater mocap in this movie. I hate James Cameron so much. If I was an animator, I'd kill myself. <laughs> Wait, let's like... just copy what they did in Aquaman, hello? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think they did anything, like, actually... I don't know if they actually did anything underwater. I don't know. In that movie. I, I have uh, no idea. I don't know. Although James Wan did make a tweet that was like, working with water is hard or something. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, this this uh, this sums it up pretty well. Hmm. Um, yeah. Uh... Bill and Ted Three, uh, it's it's really happening, boys. It's um it's coming to VOD and or cinema, depending on what part of the country you live in and uh, how you're affected by coronavirus. <laughs> so uh -oh. uh, get excited or not. I haven't seen any of them. They're pretty good. They're All okay. Right. I'll I'll leave them at okay. All right. They're ridiculous '90s movies. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to do you want to talk more about that? 
I don't know anything about Bill and Ted 3. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about it just because, I don't know, I feel like it's worth talking about. Um, so, Bill and Ted 3, right, boys? Um, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm like, they really got Boomer Keanu to be in this. <laughs> Like, every time I see the trailers for this, I'm like, I don't know if this is a horrible idea or an amazing idea. And I'm like, I don't know. Until it comes out, I'm just kind of conflicted. I just think that every film with Keanu Reeves should be canceled. Even uh, even the new Spongebob movie? Um, especially the new Spongebob movie. What the fuck? There's going to be another a, one? He plays a flower or something? Uh, that's You didn't annoying. see this trailer where he's like, I don't, I don't watch trailers. <laughs> <laughs> I watch movies. That you don't want to see the coming attractions? No. You're a bad cinema fan. There aren't any coming attractions, dude. <laughs> coming attractions will come eventually, baby. They'll come oh, eventually. God. Yeah. I I'm just really excited for um this Oscar season for there to be like 10 movies that literally no one on the planet the Invisible has like seen. Man, Birds of Prey, uh Trolls World Tour uh what else well i mean they, they changed Scoob. it they, Scoob. oh god they changed it so that um the movie doesn't have to be in theaters right yeah yeah the reason so, why i'm excited is because that's going to mean that like there's going to be like 10 movies that literally no one has heard of yeah like not even like us who are actually like into movies yeah <laughs> so this was that that was the oscars before i was into movies yeah basically i mean it still is um yeah. but now like I, I see the movies instead of thinking like oh these these, these must be good because they're nominated i watch them and i'm like wow these movies are fucking terrible and all the same yeah oh man uh we, i think we should make costume dramas illegal yeah yeah so they just can't be nominated for anything what well, the last good costume drama i saw was probably the favorite yeah i'd agree which is like, but that's like, even that's like once in a, once in a while, a costume drama will be that good nowadays. I don't, yeah, I don't typically. Mary Queen of Scots, boys. Let's, oh, let's talk about that. Did you, did you watch that? No. Oh, it was fucking terrible. I was, I was hyped for it because I loved the cast and the concept seemed interesting, but holy shit. That, that, that movie reminded me why I fucking hate costume yeah. dramas. <laughs> There's like, oh, I think man. you can name like three good ones. Okay, I can name two good ones. Name them. Name them. Barry Lyndon and the favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to see Amadeus, but like... Oh, yeah. I heard that was good, but... <laughs> yeah. I don't really care about Mozart. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Bard. Sorry, Bard. <laughs> uh, Anything um, else for the news? Right. Uh... I, we could talk about The Boys Season 3 if you want, because uh, I'm, you know, I'm down for more of The Boys. I don't know about you. Well, I want to see Season 2 first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, if it's anything like Season 1, I think it'll be alright. Well, we said that about Westworld. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Has Watchmen Season 3 been announced yet? Uh, yeah, they skipped season two. They just went straight to season three. Sick. We don't even know what happens at the cliffhanger end. Hmm. We just skip right to... Doesn't she, like, turn into an egg? 
No. <laughs> no. <laughs> she she drinks from an egg. She does which uh, may or may not have given her Dr. Manhattan powers. I thought she like anyway. Um well, she doesn't <laughs> turn into an egg. <laughs> the only reason I said that is because for some reason I vividly remember like an egg being in that episode, but now now uh, I, the, I mean there now, is now now I know why. Now now I know why. Now I know why cuz you told me. Anyway. Um <laughs> let's move on to the film. Yeah. This news is garbage. So, uh for this week we watched um as I said before, uh John Lugard 67 film Le Chinois. Um it's about these uh four or five um french students who get kind of disillusioned with the french communist party so they decide to um make like this strange maoist clan um and kind of opposition to all the other political parties in france including um including the french communist party who they feel like is uh too influenced by russia and the film is I mean, it's Godard, so of course it's, like, very meta. There's, um... The film is kind of about the making of another film called Le, Chin Le Chinois, which is made by these students. Um, or maybe it's, like, a news organization interviewing them. It's not really made explicitly clear. But eventually, as the film goes on, um... There's kind of this uh, echo chamber among these students, um, which leads a couple of them to perform, um violent terrorist actions in order to um further their ideology um but none of these actually work because like five like 20 year old malice maoists aren't gonna like overthrow the french government and so the film ends with basically um the clan kind of just uh dispersing and yeah that's pretty much it yeah so what did you think about la chinois oh man <laughs> I did not like this movie. Um, I don't know. I just like the the first like hour felt like nails on a chalkboard, just like reciting rhetoric. And I get that that was like kind of the point, but like I, I just like it was just fucking excruciating to listen to these kids. I think I think like for me, the reason I was so intrigued was because of like how dedicated i guess godard was into like showing how annoying and stupid these kids are um but at the same time like it's kind of like ambiguous whether you should laugh at them or like support them which i felt was pretty genius because it, it made you um yeah i really didn't know which side he was taking whether it exactly was, you know but i think i think like that's the point because it's supposed to be um like you are in that apartment and you are being radicalized among all of these other kids, and you're kind of part of this echo chamber. Since you have no um, perception of the outside world, like outside of what these kids are doing, like yeah. like the kids themselves, and I think like that was that was really really interesting. Um, I like I do I do get like what he was going for. I just like I just like I couldn't stand it. Uh, I totally get I that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I'm curious, since I haven't read the book that this film is loosely based off of, it's based off of um, Dostoevsky's Demons, or The Possessed, as it's also translated, oh, which really? is also about um, a few students who kind of become radicalized and then nothing happens. They try to perform terrorist actions, but it fails. So I'm yeah. curious like to see if 
this that part of the book was like translated well here but i mean the book deals with like a much different like ideology than the film does it's about i believe like maybe utilitarianism or nihilism or something like that i'm not exactly sure i haven't read the book but it's it's, it's not yeah. about maoism at all yeah um but what i found especially interesting is that um i think this is probably the most one one of the most like nuanced godards i've seen and i think that's kind of like a stupid comment because like everyone's gonna see like all of his films are extremely nuanced there's like a million layers to all of them and i'm like dude if you watch breathless it's literally just about a dude who gets shot at the end and he has like a hot girlfriend there's like there's like no there's no substance to breathless and that's what makes it so good um but with i think you're about to get shot just for saying (laughs) (laughs) no but like i that's why i think breathless is great is because it's it's really just about the style um not so much about like what's going on inside um people 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 like just like breathless yeah i thought you didn't particularly like breathless no i I like uh... i definitely like breathless um i mean it's probably one of my favorite godards there aren't many godards that i like well i guess there are now but for for it took me a while to kind of like get into him um since i kind of viewed a lot of his films as like cynical experimentations rather than um interesting films in their own right but i think like this one is his most um interesting at least um in terms of what he's trying to say but i think part of that is because the film is a little bit didactic as well yeah at least especially like towards the end yeah um yeah i just like i i do should we talk about the train sequence because i think that's what resonated with me i think sure we can talk about that but i think we should probably also get back to the beginning uh later sure yeah yeah but you can can start with the train sequence go ahead (laughs) um no let's i think you're right we should we should talk about (laughs) uh this first like hour because i mean Mm. the first hour is you know am i wrong in saying it's more or less the same kind of thing where it's just like rhetoric being repeated in a room oh yeah and like i would definitely agree with you that it's it's pretty grueling you know yeah especially because you don't really don't have any like context for what's going on um and it's it's almost like uh it's hard to say that this is like a narrative film in like, you know, the first hour. In yeah. A lot of ways. Yeah, I was very confused on. I I mean, I guess that's probably why you like it as well is because it, it's that blurred line between documentary and narr- narrative film. Uh yeah, I mean honestly, I didn't get so much of that in here. Although like obviously, yeah, it's, it's a very obvious but it's, documentary it's style. There. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Um but uh, yeah go ahead yeah. <laughs> i was just going to mention that um god did i hate the bit where he was he he puts the bandages on his head and he's like this is the world theater i wanted to punch him <laughs> i oh, wanted yeah. to punch him yeah i think um that, that that was gonna i was gonna touch upon another theme that i forgot but you brought you brought it up was the um the inability for these kids to distinguish between um disconnect from reality well between real life violence and fictional violence you know so i think i think that's like really represented and well one that scene for sure since he's saying that like uh this it's all about theater um but also like more explicitly uh was the scene when um veronique uh goes and uh shoots the guy in the hotel 
so you don't you don't you don't see like her, her shooting anyone all you see is like like a comic, a comic book panel page, yeah. yeah of like i don't know some guy getting a shot with like a ray gun and i think i, I think this is this is a bit off topic but i i do want to ask uh is stanley the one that was going to make a movie with godard no he was gonna make a movie with renee Renee. okay um because i was like i was you know trying to figure out what the meaning of having well i mean there there are certain meanings that i did see but like i was just trying to figure out you know why like batman and captain america panels would like show up every so often well i mean it's it's uh propaganda you know yeah like yeah uh, no especially captain I america part. i was know? just like seeing trying to figure out if there was like some deeper thing than that well i think i think also at least how i interpreted it like i was saying before was um this inability to separate uh fictional and real life violence um mm -hmm. and like theatricality uh versus versus reality um hmm. and i think like that that's like one of the, like the big downfalls of you know like very like idealistical or um idealistic groups like these um yeah that think like they're they're like ideologically completely in the right so everything they do is gonna be like right and it's gonna work um whereas very clearly yeah. like if you if you if you um you know zoom back you can see that they're kind of like delusional and and then we get that kind of zoom back in the train sequence and would you like to talk about that uh yeah well um i i want to talk about something a little bit more personal about this film uh because my brother is uh a self-proclaimed communist and i saw a lot of him in this movie <laughs> He's a communist or a Maoist? Like, what kind? Is he like a Marxist-Leninist or? Uh, he he's only described himself as a communist. All right. Well, that's that's I, pretty I big. Really. Yeah, yeah, but still, it's it's that same kind of like. He he has that attitude where it's like, uh, you know, what I'm doing is right. There is literally no other option. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I just saw a lot of him in this, and uh. And then moving on to the train sequences where it's kind of the thing that I want to say to him is mm -hmm. give him a reality check because the train absolutely acts as like a reality check for these kids for mm -hmm. Monique in particular. Veronique, or, yeah. Veronique. Um, yeah, so that whole sequence is just great because it, it kind of, you know, it puts them in their place that like, you guys, the five of you aren't changing the world, no mm -hmm. matter how much you want to change the world. And I, um, I resonated with that because I, even besides my brother, I just know a lot of people who are, you know, have become kind of like radicalized to one side or the other and have kind of lost touch with reality and like what can actually be achieved feasibly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it was an interesting thing to see that, you know, like, that was still the case in, like, the 60s and uh, in France, even, you know. It's... Oh, well, it's especially apparent in the 60s. Well, yeah. Because, yeah. do you know what happened a year after this movie came out? Yeah. Was... The, the riots of uh, May 1968. Yeah, riots. Yeah. Of 68, yeah. And that's, like, that is considered, um, I guess, except for, like, the uh, the French Revolution as, like, one of the most, like, unstable periods in, um, like... <laughs> you know the current like french democracy like yeah. um there there is period there was like periods where like 
like millions of people were protesting basically and, and like a lot of them were like students like these so yeah. it, it's like it's it's absolutely like crazy that kind of godard almost like predicted this entire thing you know <laughs> yeah. um but uh getting back to this train sequence um there's some like really interesting meta narrative going on there which um like in we were talking about before we started recording it's definitely not uh anything new to godard everything he does is kind of a meta commentary on something i mean um i watched i watched one of his films earlier um a woman is a woman and um throughout the entire film you just see like actors from oh oh um john paul belmondo is in it who's the main character from breathless and (laughs) and he says um uh i don't want to be late i want to catch breathless on tv stuff like that stuff like that like it's, yeah, there are a lot of, like, movie name drops. Oh, yeah, like, I think they drop Eight and a Half, uh, Johnny Guitar, um, a bunch of a bunch of other ones, like, during this yeah. film. But um, the train sequence is very interesting because the person that, um, that, that uh, Veronique runs into is um, a very famous uh, French political activist known as um, Francis Jansen, and I probably butchered his name. But um, he was known for supporting the Algerians during the Algerian War, uh, so much so that I believe that he was, I think, arrested in 1960. But um, since then, like, uh, he, he's kind of been, like, very famous in France, and he started teaching as well, um, which is really weird because... Um, the person who plays Veronique, who's um, Anne um, Wazemski, I don't know how to say that either. Um, <laughs> it's all good. In in, in reality, uh, Frances Jansen actually was her politics teacher in university, which is like it's it's super weird. It's super it's super whack. Um, yeah, and it's especially interesting that um, Jansen isn't really playing. He's kind of playing a character in this film. But, he, but he's credited as himself. And, like, as they're having a conversation together, um, they're, they're, they're referring to um, real things that Jansen did. Um, and so the reason why I find that scene so interesting, it's because it's kind of the classic um, old versus the new in a sense of, like, uh, well, sorry, the young versus the old. So, like, the young is very, very idealistic. Um, and then the old is, is more, um, sure conservative, but also maybe more realistic and in touch, but it's not so much like Jensen doesn't really seem to be talking down on, on Veronique in this scene. In fact, he gives her like a lot of room, like a ridiculous amount of room. Um, but even, even with yeah. all that room, he's able to kind of like dismantle her whole, um, uh, argument and her yeah. whole like ideology just just right there in that train um and so like you know um from that point onwards that everything that this group is going to do is bound to fail but because and and you weren't so sure about that near the beginning since um as we talked about before everything is so confined and you never see what's going on outside of the group yeah yeah you don't get yeah there's just like no context for you know what's going on in the world and uh, you know i certainly don't know what was happening at that time in france mm-hmm. um yeah it's <laughs> it this is gonna be a weird like thing to compare it to but the scene on the train where she just gets fucking dismantled 
it reminded me of the bit in Filthy Frank's Weeaboo thing, where it's like, first I'll need to get a job. You know that bit? No. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 the bit where he's like, I'm gonna go to Japan and and learn Japanese and oh, right, I'll live yeah, out okay. my dreams. And it's like, first first I'll I'll need to get a job. Yeah. It it just reminded me of that where it's just like there's just no sense of like reality with some of these people that they just like they think that this is just going to work when it's like when it's just like everything is stacked against them well yeah that, that's why um like the only smart person in the group is um henry who's the guy who kind of like gets out once the yeah. group is is gonna start like uh performing these terrorist actions because um everyone else is kind of so indoctrinated not necessarily in Mao's philosophy but just because of the echo chamber that they built yeah. Because they What's really funny they don't they don't they don't really interact with anyone else besides themselves, and they reject yeah. everyone, including their own friends in the Communist Party. Yeah. I, what's funny is that uh, Veronique, um, in the in the beginning, I think like ten minutes or so in, talks about um, you know applied politics, mm -hmm. like actual oh. applied politics, yeah. and it's like there's this little moment of like, oh, so you understand that like bombing shit isn't really going to get anything done <laughs> well i think i think i think um her at the beginning might have understood that but yeah i think as the yeah film no goes she, on, she definitely changes as a character yeah to no longer believe in that i think they all kind of like radicalize each other throughout um yeah that grueling first hour you know yeah dude what happened to the black guy um i think that he, would just, he like, just disappears i think you're just like a friend of them probably from Probably, maybe he was from, like, the actual Communist Party, or just, like, a student. Maybe. I don't know. But, um... But, I mean, as you notice, like... Yeah. After after he leaves, they really don't interact with anyone else. At yeah. all. Um, and the only reason why Veronique means with, me, uh, meets with uh, Francis Jameson is because they just happen to see each other on a train. Yeah. But, um... It's it it was it's an interesting dissection of that whole kind of um, you know ideology political mindset where it's like you get so indoctrinated and radicalized that uh, you know it's you know you just you you can't believe in anything else because you've spent all your like energy and time on this one philosophy. Yeah, it's kind of like, like uh, it can't be wrong. Right, like you're you're too far in to go out now yeah um it's just it's it's an interesting thing to explore and i i really like how they've they tackled it by like you know they include the character that puts them back in their place and they include but they have that first hour of like hitting you over the head with it mm -hmm. yeah. so like I'll, i think like maybe this didn't happen to you necessarily but you kind of like get tricked into not necessarily agreeing with them but maybe thinking that like it's possible for them to like do something or change something yeah yeah I, I wasn't sure what the film was setting up in you know when they're like oh terrorist action is what we need to do mm -hmm. uh i was like wow are they really going to like change the political compass but like <laughs> no that 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 scene on the train just like it's just it's a brilliant scene how it just like completely dismantles you know what you've been told for the last you know hour Mm -hmm. And I think the the fact that Godard made this film out of everyone else is really interesting because 
um, well, that one tells me is that he's not necessarily criticizing the the I like the the actual like rhetoric that these kids are spewing. Um, yeah. Because I'm I'm sure that he actually agrees with a lot of what they're saying. Well, maybe not necessarily with Maoism, but in terms of um, the Marxist-Leninist ideas that they're talking about, I'm sure that Godard agrees with a lot of this because um, after he's probably more in line with the teacher, right? If probably anything. probably yeah. yeah but um after after this film came out i think like there's like basically like an entire decade or half decade where godard basically just like stopped making like hmm. um traditional feature films he deemed it as a bourgeois hmm. and he and he went with um goren and he formed the uh the ziga veritov group and basically just like dedicated himself into making like um political and like pro like communist films for like the better part of a decade um so the fact that like this film precedes that really strange period from from godard's own work shows that um he's definitely not talking about the failures of communism or the failures of that ideology specifically but more so of this um radicalization and and this group think that occurs when when you kind of are just surround yourself with like yes men yeah like i like i said i i do enjoy that that aspect of the film it's just like that first hour just really got on my nerves just how much we were kind of exposed to but um yeah i definitely did for I, me too yeah um what but, I, yeah Go ahead. you want to do you want to talk about the um the like back half of the film or after the train scene sure yeah um yeah. so after kind of like the reality check um it's kind of unclear whether Veronique is, like, actually shaken by it or not. Um, yeah. But I like how it's left deliberately ambiguous, because if she is shaken by it, then um, it kind of shows that she, even though she, she, she goes through with the action anyway, and maybe that's because, as we said before, like, she's already dedicated, like, so much to this, like, ideology and this kind of, like... Absolutely. Uh, she's, like, too, like, radical to kind of go back, and maybe she, like, she knows that herself um or if she's not shaken by this at all then it's it's shown that like she's completely delusional since yeah. she's kind of been shown the truth or at least like a very good argument against her own and she like kind of like the fact that if she completely rejects that it's shown that like she's she's gotten past the point of um understanding you know or like uh, yeah. her delusion is too big i i like the assassination scene where she kills the wrong guy first yeah that's just like it, it just shows the ineptitude like taken by people who are that far gone mm -hmm. that like and they also discuss it on the train where it's like you know what are you going to do after all of this and she's just like uh well uh well i don't i think she says um that's that's not my that's not my job yeah and it's like wow <laughs> like all right you got the easy job then <laughs> Yeah, it's just, it's amazing. It it does it does a really great job, but like, I don't know. It held me back from enjoying it because of that first hour, and I'm like, now I'm almost upset talking about it. That like, I I, you know, I I see what it's doing a bit more now that we're discussing it. But it's like, that first hour just killed me. Like I was just bored out of my mind. I think that the the grueling nature of the first hour is actually what made me appreciate the second half of the movie more because I think that 
um, it was kind of necessary in order for, like, the second half to work so well, you know? But, I mean, yeah, that doesn't necessarily... Right. You don't have to like it because of that, though. I like it because of that. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I didn't completely trash it in the, you know, letterbox review, but, like, I, I did point out that, like, ugh, this first hour. I don't know. That's just me. Um, yeah. But, um... What else oh, to talk oh, about? I, I, I like to touch upon um, the guy who kills himself. Yeah. A little bit. So, yeah, um, I thought that was really interesting because, so each of these um, characters in this, in this film uh, are either directly or loosely inspired by similar characters in Dostoevsky's The Possessed um, or Demons. And um, that character, uh, I believe, is the one that's most accurate to the book. Again, I haven't read it, so I'm not sure mm. exactly. But I found it really interesting because we see that um, uh, he's the one who supposedly takes the fall or is like trying to take the fall for um, the the murder that Veronique commits, right? Mm. Yeah. So, um, but the reason why like he's fine with doing that is because like he is so far gone mentally he believes it'll work well you know? well no it, it's because he's he's like mentally unstable because he's suicidal yeah. well yeah yeah so um i think that's also really interesting because it shows that um i don't necessarily think like these kids specifically have any ill intent but um in like uh for in like al-qaeda for example they t they try to target kind of um disillusioned young men who have like no purpose in life and are kind of like just screwed over by um like their society so they're able to kind of manipulate these kids into doing well young adults i guess into doing what they want for them even like committing suicide and like suicide bombings and so that reminded me a lot of um that aspect of radicalization where this guy like is clearly mentally disturbed and like in an unrelated way to this ideology yeah. right but yeah this ideology yeah. kind of like was helping him at first but obviously it's not well enough and so he just decides to commit suicide anyway yeah that whole uh what did you what did you make of the ending where uh is it's not i'm assume it's not meant to be taken literally like all right i'm off i'm off to uh school again enough of the the terrorist activities i've been doing um i really liked it because it shows that young people get really excited about things and they can commit horrible actions for reasons that in a couple years they will find to be completely silly yeah um and th again that goes a little bit back to what i was talking about with um young men being radicalized for yeah. sure and um i mean like i think i think every like young person to a certain extent has been really like attracted to like an idea so much so that you think like okay i'll, I'll like i'll die for this you know or like or like, or, like yeah. even like being part of like a community that you're like uh ride or die man ride or die and then like a couple years later when you grow out of it because you know your prefrontal cortex hasn't your prefrontal cortex hasn't like developed yet you're like, oh, you I, know, I was an uh, idiot. The Steven for Universe fandom, the Undertale fandom, you know, all those bronies. 
<laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a brony in rehab. It's been <laughs> it's been eight years since I've seen... I don't know. We're not over it. <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah. So I, I found that to be really interesting. It definitely took me a little bit to kind of, I guess, like, yeah. formulate an opinion on that. But um, yeah. I think, like, on, was, on reflection, I really liked the ending. What was your interpretation of... Um, so did the house belong to someone else? I kind of missed that. Like, who was who was coming into the house to clean it all up at the end? The I think two it, was girls? Like, it was, like, Veronique's, like sister or cousin or something i think and did they they like actually own the house or something that's what um, i thought they were implying by that yeah it was either them or like their parents or something I don't yeah know. their aunt yeah yeah but like it very clearly like wasn't the kids yeah 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 i i i did like that how they they kind of like they're living in this pretty like it's not like crazy luxurious but it's like it's it's very comfortable living for someone especially for like, like in paris yeah, you know yeah for <laughs> and for like you know people who are communists and <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh for people that make all of their money off of selling the little red book which yeah. is also like the most ironic thing ever if you think about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i like yeah. i like that little snippet of um not veronique but the other girl i forget her name i think like yvonne or something she yeah, says like Yvonne, I think. yeah if my boyfriend can't make money selling a little red, red book i just go like a prostitute myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah this this whole movie is just like <laughs> flawed ideology uh it's well amazing. not so much flawed ideology in my opinion but yeah no um, it's about the radicalization and the what happens with groupthink um yeah um i really liked it i think it's one of my favorite godards uh I really I, this one it's been funny because like for a while as i said before i have been not the biggest fan of him but i think recently I, i've watched contempt which i really liked a woman is a woman and then breathless obviously and then this those those four i really like hmm. nice i i don't think i've seen anything else by him you haven't seen breathless uh, no i haven't what i know what how's it even possible uh you know we were probably gonna cover it in uh history of sound cinema but um mm. as you know yeah. an axe was thrown at my schedule it's like in the form of a virus <laughs> i think like roger ebert said something like um no film besides like after citizen kane was as influential as breathless which is probably mm. accurate i mean i can't I think know. of a single I should, I should see breathless oh definitely sure. definitely yeah it, it's like essential um, even if it's not necessarily like one of my favorite films of all time, it's it's still a very excellent movie in yeah. its own right. Um, I don't think any director um, post like Hollywood Golden Age has been as influential as Godard. Hmm. Um, he's definitely like, even though he's not necessarily my favorite of the new wave guys, he's certainly the most influential. Um, every director working today or really after him has cited him as like a primary influence yeah i can think of like maybe two directors that don't like him who are they <laughs> well one of them is ingmar bergman <laughs> which um is pretty based not gonna lie yeah he also hates Antonio. Uh, i love i love uh you know directors shit talking other directors oh it's so good it's so good there's that one article that i found with like yeah 30 different directors oh that's that's so funny oh my god 
Um, this isn't exactly one of them, but like my favorite thing is uh, was it? I forget who it was, but someone was like, "I was surprised to learn that David Gordon Green wasn't black." <laughs> oh no, that who, that's who that was that? that was um Barry Jenkins in the Criterion uh, yeah. closet thing. Yeah, I, yeah, just fucking love that. <laughs> um, but you know. Vincent Gallo versus the entire world. That's like, also a, I, another good. Film. I wanted. I want to say what Vincent Gallo said about Sofia Coppola, but like, I just, I don't think it's like. I think we'll like, be canceled. I think we might be canceled just for it. just for saying it. It's like, it's so horrible, but it's also hilarious <laughs> at the know. same time. It, it's uh, it's especially hilarious coming from like one of the least talented directors I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> this this is now the. Buffalo sixty six fans are gonna come after you now. Buffalo sixty six is a fucking terrible movie. <laughs> don't even at me dude i don't care uh i'm never yeah. watching the brown bunny it sucks probably no, no wonder no one watches this fucking podcast <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, here to, we're here to piss on every cinema opinion i don't even care dude give Vincent gallo it can suck a fat one should we yeah. move on to uh personal stuff personal projects sure yeah we've been doing do you want to start uh hey uh do you want to just like do a wrap-up of uh Le Chinois? Yeah. Sure. Just uh, general, general thoughts and, like, you know, okay. recommend it or not. Um, I definitely recommend it. It's one of my favorite Godards, for sure. Um, with, like, First Reformed, I think it's one of the most interesting films I've seen on um, radicalization. Um, it's definitely, like, a different take than First Reformed. Definitely. But, um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, and from, like, a filmmaking perspective, it's kind of insane. Like, as we said, the first hour barely has a plot. Um, and... There's just text that pops up every so often. Yeah. Um, and the music that just stops suddenly. Oh, oh that's that's a, that's a very... Uh, it's a Godard thing. That, that's a Godard trademark, yeah. Um, <laughs> that happens in A Woman is a Woman a lot, too. Um, I, I really liked it. Um, although it's definitely not the easiest film to watch. Yeah. How about you? Um, I would, I would overall, I think, recommend it. Um, I just have mixed feelings because that first, you know, hour is tough to get through for, I think it'll be tough to get through for a lot of people. Um, but I, I think the, the message that it delivers in the end is well worth, you know, watching the film, even if you end up not enjoying it. I think the message is, um, you know, strong enough to warrant a watch yeah all right um let's move on would you like to start sure um so what have you so... been what have you been watching what have you been reading what have you been listening to what have you been playing uh i haven't been uh listening or playing anything new but i uh i mentioned last week uh very briefly that i started reading uh daredevil born again but um i uh I have now read the whole thing. I did it in almost one sitting. Uh, again, uh, Daredevil Born Again is a uh, Frank Miller Daredevil comic from 86, the same year he did Dark Knight Returns. So that's worth mentioning just because that's really impressive. Um, it's about Daredevil basically losing everything that he has and then rising back up again, being like, you are not going to stop me in... Uh, you know what i do 
Uh, I just I found it very interesting because they just dismantle the character of uh, Matt Murdock, which is mm. um, you know, just interesting, like f- literally and uh, figuratively. Ouch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched the first two Jason Bourne movies, so that uh, Bourne Identity and Bourne uh, Supremacy. Um. Those were two good movies. I don't know why you said they don't have stunts in them. Most of the things I remember from those movies are stunts. I never said that one. You were like, I don't know. And I think during one of the podcasts, you were like, I don't remember that many stunts from those movies or something like that. I did that. not I was say surprised. that. I think I said, yes, you did. We no, can pull this. I didn't. I think I said, I said, I said, I don't think, I think you misheard me. I'm pretty sure I said, I don't, I don't remember very much from those movies. I don't know, man. Because I don't, since I watched them when I was like 11. But I definitely did not say that they didn't have stunts. Uh, <laughs> I swear to God, that's what you said. Anyway. I think you must heard me. I was probably talking uh, too fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, those yeah, uh, those are those are good. I am, um, I enjoyed them. I think I, I like them more than well, most most spy movies that i've seen they're just kind of well put together like conspiracy movies yeah i remember really liking the first and third second one's like all right but it's still pretty oh my god second one has so much shaky cam yeah but just like look at this action and i'm like i can't i can't focus on this very 2000s um doesn't the first one have shaky cam too though um a little bit i don't think it's as bad as the second one because the second one i like i noticed it okay yeah whereas like i i knew it was something to look out for on these movies um yeah but you know two good movies i i'll probably see born ultimatum soon um but uh another two movies i watched were uh frankenstein and bride of frankenstein um so i've been going through uh the collection of like you know classic universal monster movies i've seen Invisible Man, Dracula, uh, Wolfman, Creature from the Black Lagoon, and did I say Invisible Man? I think I did. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, now I've seen these two. Uh, they are uh, pretty good. I, um, I I like them a lot. I think a lot more than uh, some of the others. Um, Frankenstein has this like grand epic showmanship aspect to it that I really like. Like, they have a narrator open it, and he's just like, this is the scariest thing you will ever see. Back out the theater now. Hmm. And I just love it when old movies do stuff like that. <laughs> um, but it's it's just like a well-put-together movie. Like, the sets look really good. The uh, the whole maison scene is just great in those movies. You know, the lab set is iconic. Hmm. Um and then Bride of Frankenstein is also good. I love the framing device that they do on that. And uh, so it's it's Mary Shelley telling the rest of the Frankenstein story on a dark and stormy night. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> I, I just love that they, they had the balls to be like, yeah, this is, this is coming from Mary Shelley's lips. Hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I just think those are two solid movies if you like, you know, monster movies cool uh what have you been watching reading listening to all that 
Um, I listened to Kanye West's new album, Donda, which dropped last oh, night. Out? No, I'm kidding. He didn't release it, man. I don't know. I don't, it's probably canceled. He's at this too point. busy running for president. Probably, yeah. I'm I'm so mad. Uh, but I I mean honestly, like I don't know what else I expected. Um, I'm still reading the trial. It's it's Kafka, so it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. Although I, I think I, t- I mentioned it before, but I like the uh, the movie more by Orson Welles. <laughs> um, but the book is still very good, obviously. Um, so I rewatched Come and See. The restoration is like amazing. Um, Moss Film did like an incredible job on it. Since I've seen, I saw like the unrestored version, then it was kind of bad. But yeah, this 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 Moss Film restoration is like, oh, it's amazing. This is the, Moss. Is this the Criterion release or? Yeah. So Criterion got the like the they they chose the restoration. So Moss Film is like Moscow Film, mm, Moscow oh. Film Institute. Oh. And, okay. Um. They own the rights to this film, and they decided to do a restoration on it. So yeah. for Region A, which is um, America, they gave the rights to Criterion. Hmm. So yeah, I watched I watched the Criterion copy. All right. Um, yeah, I just didn't. I didn't. I wasn't sure about Moss films. Hmm. Um, but uh, that's cool. It's very good. You should watch it. You picked that up recently, right? Yeah, I I bought like ten Blu-rays <laughs> from the Criterion <laughs> sale. It's pretty bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, then I also watched uh, Three Women and Shortcuts by Altman. Um, I've been getting really into Altman recently. Um, Shortcuts, you said, was uh, a Magnolia, uh, or Magnolia ripped off Shortcuts. Oh, dude, they're like the same movie. It's so stupid. Like, they're, they're both, like, grand Does epics. Does your respect for Magnolia just dropped? Yeah, like, that movie's terrible now. <laughs> like... They're both, like, grand epics that take place in L.A. Um, with, like, multiple main characters and all these, like, different kind of, like, vignettes that, like, blend together somewhat sometimes. They're, like, and like, there's, like, even characters that really, like, mirror each other. It's it's, <laughs> it's really, like, a blatant ripoff. Uh, so much That's so weird. that, like, I'm just disappointed in Paul Thomas Anderson now, to be honest. Although, <laughs> he admittedly, like, admitted to, he said to Altman that all i'm doing is ripping your movies off so i guess i guess if he calls what it is out, there will be blood a rip off of um well i mean he said that earlier in his career oh so just like, about this one well boogie, boogie night boogie nights magnolia are both oh, very, what is boogie nights the uh, a rip of it's not a direct rip off but they're both very clearly inspired by Altman. Hmm. um especially like nashville Interesting. and uh short and um the player and probably short i should really too. watch more altman yes you should watch mccabe we should we should do uh altman on this yes at some point i'm down um i also watched uh three women by altman which is really weird it's like it's literally persona (laughs) but (laughs) um in like this that idea of like these different like characters taking over each other's identities it's super it's i I don't understand it at all it was really interesting cool I watched um, Pasolini's uh, Theorema or Theorem, which is super weird. Basically, like this guy comes to like a bourgeois family and then has sex with all the members of the family, and then leaves, okay. and they all like crave him afterwards. But it's, it's <laughs> supposed to be like a like a um, like an allegorical film. 
Mm-hmm. About, and I, I interpreted that to mean, like, um, so these bourgeois family members, like, find some kind of truth or maybe are exposed to, like, the evils of being, like, a bourgeois person. Um, yeah. And it kind of, like, shows, like, how they all, like, move their separate ways and are affected by that. It's really mm-hmm. weird. And it got banned because of um, homosexuality, of course. <laughs> um, also, the church hates it, which is, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Um, yeah. I rewatched I re- Inland Empire, which I have absolutely nothing to oh, say about. Oh, no. I have absolutely nothing to say about it. I I think I like it now, but <laughs> just because it's so whack, like I just I don't even know. Um, let's move on. Um, I watched the cre- the right. Cremator, which was really good. Um, Who's that by? It's by a Czech filmmaker named um, I can't, I can't pronounce it, Jiraj Hertz, hers or something. It's basically about this um. This cremator working in Czechoslovakia before World War II, um, who begins to be kind of he he has kind of like a strange relationship with death, um, and he's he's like a utilitarian, but he gets kind of like um, seduced into joining the Nazi Party. It's it's a really interesting satire, um, dark comedy. It's I think it's an extremely underrated film. Um, I highly recommend checking it out. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, I would say more, but it'd be spoiling it, and I'm, I definitely want to show it to you. Yeah. Then I watched three good art films, including La Chinois, um, Band of Outsiders, which I wasn't super into, and A Woman is a Woman, which I really liked. Um, and I already talked about how I saw Shortcuts, so yeah, that's that's all that I saw. Yeah. Sorry, I hijacked it by asking about Shortcuts. It's all right. Yeah. Um. Any, uh, oh, uh, I guess we should talk about uh, next week. Next week, uh, we will have a guest on. We will be talking uh, Jodorowsky. Uh, I think we are just going to do a general Jodorowsky discussion, but we might fall more into talking about specifically El Topo and the Holy Mountain. Okay. Sounds good. I am very excited. I'm, I'm always glad to meet more Jodorowsky fans. Yeah. I mean, who isn't? Yes. Actually, I know a person who I tried showing the Holy Mountain to who was like, I don't want this. Well, you should not talk to this person anymore. Yeah, they got bad taste in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Sarah. All right. Uh, should we wrap it up, or is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, no, I think that's it. Uh, thank you all for, uh, for tuning in. Thank uh, you, thank you. We'll- uh, hopefully you'll you'll come back even though this is uh, you know we're we are the way we are. Yes, I am, <laughs> I apologize. Um, yeah. On behalf of Nick, I don't apologize on behalf of myself because I'm perfect. I apologize on behalf of Duran. <laughs> Thanks. Next week we'll be talking about Jodorowsky. Have a good evening. Yeah. Morning. See you later. Or noon or afternoon.